welcome to the nerd party. Maximum warp. Punch it. Punch it. Punch it, Bishop. Punch it. Punch that shit. Let's punch it. Hello and welcome to Punch It. I am your co-host Tristan Riddell and with me as always is... Charlene Schmidt. We have a treat for you this week because it is a continuation of what we were doing last week. Char, can you tell the listeners what we were doing last week just in case they forgot? Yes, absolutely. What we were doing is we pretended we were in... Oh, what do you want to say? 1978 and George Lucas approached us and said, Char and Tristan... I want you to write the next installment of the Star Wars franchise. And so that's what we did. We started constructing a story and pretended as if none of the rest of the franchise existed ever, which was really easy for me because I basically hadn't watched any Star Wars since I was five. And maybe more of a challenge for you, but we were doing a fantastic job constructing a story, got about halfway and realized, oh, we have a show already. Let's continue this next week. Here we are. Yeah, 45 minutes came up real fast last week, and I have an assumption that it's going to come up again real fast today. Now, uh, <laughs> yeah. for those of you who didn't listen last week, I highly recommend, please go back and listen to it. It was just last week. It was a lot of fun. It was episode eight, Yep. and it was called Star Wars 2. And like Char said, we are writing the sequel to Star Wars as if nothing else ever happened. Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, Force Awakens, none of it ever happened. Nope, blank. So just as a brief, brief, brief recap, what we're doing is is that uh, Luke Skywalker has become a celebrity in the uh, in the Star Wars universe because of his exploits with destroying the Death Star. He's a reluctant celebrity and a hero of the Rebel Alliance, and he is on a search to find the first Jedi Temple, and uh, Leia is going with him to help find it because she believes, and so does he, that if they find the first Jedi Temple, it will have a wealth of ancient knowledge that will allow him to complete his own training, as well as train other rebel forces to have the same kind of skills as a Jedi Knight. Uh, Leia and Luke once had a relationship, but it is no more because they realized it didn't work in this kind of atmosphere where they're trying to fight for their freedom. And... Han and Chewie are out of the picture. Like he, Han and Chewie left right after the medal ceremony. And in order to find the location of the uh, of the Jedi Temple, they have to go through some the seedy underbelly of the universe. And they're like, you know, who has a lot of connections in the seedy underbelly in the uh, in the criminal <laughs> world? Uh, our friend Han, who we haven't seen in over two years. And that is, we spent forty five minutes developing that. And so <laughs> <laughs> we did. I guess we took our sweet time, but. I mean, this is a franchise full of possibilities when you're starting with just the very first installment. There's so many areas in which you could go, and we had to explore some of that. Yes, absolutely. And uh, we've had a, a lot of great reports from you guys saying that you really enjoyed the conversation, that you thought it was weird yet interesting. I believe that's a direct quote. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to thank our listeners also for not berating me too much for not being the greatest fan of Star Wars and no, not remembering it even when I did watch it. So thank you for at least being accepting, if not understanding. Yeah, they did. They did take it easy on you. I, I, I thought that yeah, there they was going to be much bigger of a, of a backlash than there was. I was bracing for impact. I really was. I was expecting a little more noise on Twitter and in my inbox and 
it just didn't really show up. And so thank you for respecting that. I mean, Idik, right? Idik. <laughs> Different universe. Uh, yes, okay. yes, yes. So we just gave a brief recap. That was essentially like act one of the <laughs> of the movie. So yeah. let's just go ahead and start with act two. And again, you uh, have seen Star Wars from 1977, but don't remember anything else. I've seen everything and have memorized it a great deal. <laughs> yeah, indeed. And you and I have not talked about this. We have not discussed what we're going to do for Act 2 and Act 3 of this Star Wars sequel. And uh, we're doing it on the fly. And once again, I'm going to kind of just follow your lead, maybe ask you some questions here and there, try to figure out. I'm not going to contradict anything you say with using quote-unquote canon because it doesn't exist. Star <laughs> Wars right. canon does not exist, whether it's in the novels, on screen, in the comic books, doesn't exist. Only thing that happens is Star Wars 77 and what we have written last week. So let's just go ahead and get the whiteboard out again. And there we go. We have room now for Act 2, and I think it's time that we start establishing what is happening with the dark side, what is happening with the Imperial Empire. So my instinct on all of this, because I'm the one who's painting the broad strokes and then you're helping me flesh them out, is I feel like the Death Star was just the beginning. Okay. It was not the be-all, end-all. I feel that, yes, that was there to uh, play a role. It was there to intimidate, certainly, and certainly show the strength of the Empire. But I feel that that was just a taste of what this Empire can do. I feel like there's possibly more projects in the pipeline and maybe i don't know is there another death star in the works maybe or are there fighter crafts that are superior state of the art that's just going to blow this newly resurged rebel alliance to bits what do you think about that well i like the idea of it just being the beginning or just being the tip of the iceberg you know like building a second death star that sounds very unrealistic so let's just go ahead and go into a different direction there let's uh let's think of something else there um do you, do you almost feel like the death star was sort of like a decoy for what was really going on or is that like a vast use of resources for very little effect you have to look at it from this universe i mean like even though we have watched lots and lots of sci-fi where there's where you can destroy a planet and nothing flat or even an entire system like you know uh, from star the star trek fandom you can destroy an entire system by making a sun go supernova and that kind of technology is possible in the 24th century of the star trek world but with it within star wars this had never happened before this had never been seen before this station was the first of its kind and gigantic and like even when han and obi-wan and luke and chewie were on their way to alderaan obi-wan said that's no moon that's a space station han's like that's too big to be a space station he completely dismissed it and so you're coming from a star trek lineup where a dyson sphere exists but what we've seen so far in just from 1977 not anything else no extra contextual knowledge just from 1977 this is has never happened before and this is monumental i mean this will make everybody quiver so i can't really i i can't agree with you where you say like oh it's a lot of reasons for a little payoff because it destroyed an entire planet that's a big deal yeah i suppose that is uh thank you for giving me the context by the way just because somehow i had a little oversight 
there. And yeah, I think it is Trek leaking into my brain. <laughs> <laughs> the way the Trek universe operates is very different from the Star Wars universe. So thank you. But I like where you're going, though. I like where your brain's going, where it's just like, well, you know, it's a sequel. Let's get bigger. Let's get better. I mean, that's such a stereotypical thing. And you know what? It doesn't always work. What if we went smaller? What if they're building ships that rival the Millennial Falcon? Rival it in what way? Because according to Star Wars, like from what we've seen so far, it's a piece of junk that's fast. So you want something that's a, that's even more maneuverable? Uh, maybe. And it's and just just for the record, I just now realized this. Did you say Millennial Falcon? Is that what I said? Millennium Falcon. <laughs> Sorry, Millennial Falcon. I want the Gen X Falcon. Yeah, I was gonna say. I was like, I was like, yeah. Then they had those baby boomer starships that just went through <laughs> and eviscerated the economy of the old republic. Oh my god! No, that was just a complete slip of my tongue, which is not always in check. So forgive me, Millennium Falcon. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so, like, according to the Star Wars universe, uh, the Millennium Falcon is a hunk of junk. I mean, we think it's awesome. Mm -hmm. Like when Luke first sees it, he goes, what a piece of junk. <laughs> it's true. He's like, this is the big revered Millennium Falcon. But the thing is, is it is fast and it's capable. So what if, and I don't know if I'm missing anything here or not. It's sometimes hard to tell. What if with the Imperial Empire, what if their ships are bigger and more heavily armed, but not as maneuverable and they realize, oh, this is kind of a mistake. So... Seeing what the Millennium Falcon could do made them realize we need smaller ships, but just as capable with the firepower to destroy. And so that's the direction they're going, and they're building a fleet. I like this idea. I like this idea a lot because I feel like from a political standpoint, the Emperor probably wanted to like make this Death Star so that he could keep his colonies and the, in the universe in line, the entire galaxy in line, because if people rebel... And people, you know, like have an uprising, they'll go, yeah, yeah, you know, like we defeated their lo the, our local senators or governors or whatever. Then all the emperor has to do is go, uh, no, I'm going to send the Death Star your way. And then they're shaken in their boots because they know that their planet could get destroyed at any second. Because uh -huh. if they lost a planet politically, what's the harm in losing it physically? That's the emperor's perspective. Uh -huh. But... It was destroyed, and a lot of resources went into it. And I'm sure that there's tons of generals and admirals and everything like that who are like, can you even imagine how many Star Destroyers we could have made if we put those resources <laughs> into, into shipbuilding? Right. What if this was them proven right? What if the admirals were just like, you know what, Emperor? This totally didn't work. Let's do it again, but let's think smaller and more massive. So it's just a rain, like a swarm of fleet. Yes. Okay, here's where I want to take what you just said and put it into the, the, the context of their mission is not only do they put all their eggs in one basket with the Death Star, of course it's huge and it can destroy whole planets, but what if a more focused attack destroys the people mm -hmm. and sends the message across with smaller ships that are more maneuverable, but then after that, you get rid of the people that disagree with you, and you take the planet's resources for what they're worth and continue building the Empire. That's what these smaller ships can do. They are just as, I would say, maybe even more deadly in that sense, where they get their way, and anybody who stands to disagree is destroyed. Yeah, yeah, okay, so I, I indulge me a little bit, if you will. Yeah. So instead of putting all of their resources into building another Death Star or another super weapon where it could destroy an entire planet and bring fear... 
maybe there is some ideas to to build a fleet of ships that are basically glorified mining ships that can strip a planet of all its ore in a matter of like a week or something or like something ridiculous where it's a couple of days where if you piss us off we're not just going to destroy your entire way of life we're going to leave you with all of your natural resources gone and then we benefit from it right so that way it's a it's a loss for the people there not just their lives but their way of life but it's still a gain for the empire because if they lost that planet politically anyway then they're probably if they use legal means they're not going to get that stuff but now they can do it real quick and then zap it out i feel that feels very sci-fi is it logistically accurate probably not uh but it's a sci-fi <laughs> film it's it's actually it's science fantasy is what it is i was just going to say this is all a fantasy anyway you can do whatever you want science does not necessarily apply here oh yeah absolutely and that's the big thing about star wars that's a huge distinction between star trek and Star Wars, where Star Trek will use quote-unquote science uh, to justify what they're doing <laughs> and go at great lengths to describe what they're doing. In Star Wars, the machinery, again, just from what we saw in 1977, there's no emphasis on how things work. It's just they work. Right. Yeah, there is no explanation whatsoever. I, I noticed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And from a Star Trek fan, that's just like, oh, God, like, why, how does the hyperdrive work? How is this stuff powered? It's maddening. Okay, so let's not get too far into the weeds here. So let's just simplify it by saying, instead of building a Death Star, the Empire is learning that they're going to build a special type of fleet that can descend upon a system and strip it of its natural resources in a very quick amount of time. And that's what they're building. So that's what the Empire is doing. But how is Vader involved? You know, so it's two years later, so we don't see the, the tongue lashing that I'm sure the Emperor gave Vader for losing the first Death Star. So what what's going on with him? What's going on with Vader? Yeah, that's a very good question. That's not actually something I went into too much depth about when I made notes for this whole thing. I kind of have the instinct that because of this massive loss of the Death Star, Vader's kind of had to put his tail between his legs a little bit and lie low. But now he's ready to rise back into action. So Lilo, in what way? Do you think he has left the Empire? Do you think he was banished from the Empire? Or is he just like low level waiting for something to happen so that he can prove himself again? Yeah, I think it's more of the latter where maybe he's letting the high up powers that be make the big decisions rather than him being at the forefront of it all and agreeing with them saying, okay, you want to do that? Let's do it your way since my way didn't work. And... Now, though, now that the fleet is reaching completion, he wants to be involved. He, he's, so, he's power hungry. He's got to be involved somehow. He wants to command this fleet. What if, this is an idea that just struck me, what if this one is a race to the finish? What if that's what this movie is? Is that the Empire is, say that like Vader is there, he doesn't have as high up position as he used to, and... Let's say that they're not letting him lead this fleet. They're not letting him help build this fleet. Okay. And But he thinks that this is a waste of time, too, where in 1977 Star Wars, he said he believes, and he even said this, that the power of this Death Star, this battle station, can't hold a candle to the power of the Force. So what if he finds out that Luke Skywalker is trying to find the first Jedi Temple? Uh-huh. And so he's trying to find it first. Okay, that's actually a much better idea. That gives him a much greater purpose, much more of a drive 
And so maybe, I don't know, has he given up on the fleet then with the Empire? Is he on his own? I think that's the case. I think what happens is, is that we establish what's going on with the Empire. We establish that they're, that they're of course, fighting the rebels. They're pissed off that they lost their, their station. But we find out that they're building something new. Maybe, maybe, since we talked about in the previous episode that this is going to be serialized, that we are going to do a trilogy. What if we just notify the audience that they're building this fleet at the beginning of the movie, but it's not done yet. It's not done at the end of the movie. Okay. We don't see this fleet until the third film. Okay. Okay. In full swing. And so Vader's there, the Emperor's there, and maybe some generals and admirals and everything like that. And Vader's just like, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. We need the force on our side, not these trinkets, not another technological massacre. We'll never win if we don't have the force by our side. And they're all just like, you're stupid. Go away. And <laughs> and so Vader's like, fine. You guys toil away, waste your resources again, and I'll be back. And I'm going to save the Empire. And you guys are just wasting your time. So Vader is going to go it alone. Right. All right. Does Vader have a uh, a ship that he can use? Because that seems to be an important thing. What has he got? Well, I think, I mean, from what we know, he's a higher up. I mean, he's not the highest up person, but he is a higher up. Mm-hmm. And so I think that he would have, I think he would be able to command at least a few people. I feel like he would have his own team of people that, that would be with him, like his, his own personal regimen of uh of stormtroopers and uh and a ship okay but i don't think he would have a star destroyer necessarily for this mission i think something smaller something big but not as big as a star destroyer because the emperor Mm -hmm. and all the other admirals are like you're full of crap (laughs) so he doesn't have anything state of the art necessarily but he does have his own means to get around okay maybe that gives the rebel alliance just a little bit of an advantage too I think so, too. I think it kind of puts them a little bit on equal footing because mm-hmm. it, it, we're able to see this movie is shaping up to be two sides of the same coin. Where yes, where we see the Empire, who has all the resources in the galaxy at their disposal, literally, and they don't believe in Vader's mission, and so they don't back him, but he goes out and does it on his own. But he still has something at his disposal. Then we have the Rebels who do believe in the cause of Luke and Leia and give them backing, but they have limited resources. So it almost puts them on even ground where you have David and Goliath, but they're fighting as if Goliath was stunted. Yeah, yeah. We did a similar thing with our Enterprise episode a couple of weeks, making these parallels, but I think it makes for great storytelling. So I'm all for it. Yeah, I think so. So let's go in this direction. So in Act 1, we have all the setup for the Rebels, and in Act Two, th- this isn't really the best. We like we should establish this side by side, so it shouldn't be Act One and Act Two. Like we should establish this side by side. So, like okay, so is this maybe combined Act One and Act Two, switching back and forth a little bit? I think so. I think so. And so we need to have that conversation. So like, what's the coincidence? Like th- this can't just be a coincidence. It can't just be Luke trying to find the temple at the same time as Vader's trying to find the temple at the same time. So. Maybe as Vader's trying to find Luke because he's pissed off that this snot-nosed brat uh, destroyed his station (laughs) and is the reason why he has a lower position than what he did, maybe in investigating Skywalker and following his tracks realizes, oh, holy crap, he's looking for the first Jedi Temple. 
Yeah, we have to establish how they kind of find out that they're both looking for this thing. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important that Luke finds out that Vader is looking for it and vice versa. And yes, Vader is going to be just stark raving pissed about this whole thing because with Skywalker being somewhat of a celebrity, he really wants this little, this bratty little kid, basically, as you Mm -hmm. said, to go down. And who better to take him out than him? Let's frame it this way. So, like, Vader is searching for Luke, and then he finds the remnants of that fight in the alley that we talked about in last week's episode. And somehow he's able to put it together what he's looking for. He's able to connect the dots, Uh and then that's when he goes back to the Empire and says, I know what he's looking for. We need to find it first. And that's when they go, you're full of crap. Nobody believes in your religion anymore. You're the, you're the last one who believes in that junk. And they even said that in 1977. <laughs> and so, and that's when he's like, okay, fine. Screw you. I'm going to go find it on my own. And yeah, yeah. then we cut to Luke and Leia finding Han and Chewie. Okay. So this reunion, is it a happy one? What is Han doing? Is he just up to his usual shenanigans? I want to see them in prison. I want to see... Chew- this this just now came to me. I want to see Chewie and I Han in prison. I love this. Yeah. I love it. They go down to where they think Han is, ask around a little bit, go to a couple of bars and whatnot, and find out that he's in prison. They've got to break him out of prison. Oh, this is going to look real good. Yes. Yeah. That's the thing is that like, oh, crap. Okay. They go They go and visit him. <laughs> and they're like, Han, what did you do? He's like, I, I promise. It's not my fault. It's, it's not my fault. <laughs> okay. We got to establish what he did. Like, I, I want to say... He got into like a bar fight with the wrong guy or something really kind of stupid, easily defensible. But, mm-hmm. you know, that he was he was not really up to anything that good. Yeah, it's, it can't be anything monumental. You know, like it can't be anything that no. he's like he he's guilty, but it's not that big of a fence where we're going to hate the character, you know. Right. It's got to be a very minor thing. Like he threw a punch at somebody, maybe by accident. Hit a member of the royal family or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So his butt's in jail for breaking the nose of a dignitary. Yeah, and then the reason why Chewie's in jail, because he ripped the arms off of the people who were trying to arrest Han. (laughs) Okay, so we've got to find a way to break him out of jail. Well, that's going to be a fun little adventure. Yeah, so so Luke and Leia are there, and then Han's like, okay. like They tell him, they're like, listen, we need your help in order to find the first temple. And Han's like, I have no idea, you know, like where the, the the temple is. And they're like, no, but you know people who do. Right. And like you like you need to find the people who hold the oldest Jedi artifacts because all that's left of the Jedi artifacts are on the black market. Okay, right. And who, who knows the black market better than Han? And then, of course, I think Han is going to say, yeah, well, there's sort of a problem here. And he's gesturing to the right. prison. So how are Luke and Leia going to bail him out, basically? Or does Leia use her political prowess in any way? Or is this going to be just sheer brute force? Using her political scheme isn't that exciting. You know, no. like, it, like if she goes in and gives us a, a passionate speech, you know, it's not really, you, we want some explosions. This is Star Wars. Well, right. Yeah, it's very much an action film. So I guess that answers that question. So I would say maybe uh, create a diversion. Very classic thing. And establish the prison break. I want to see Luke and Leia on the roof of the prison. Somehow they get up there. Doesn't matter how. And they're on the roof. And Leia, you know, shoots down some pitons. And Luke repels down to the level that Han is at. And then uses his lightsaber to cut a huge circle 
in the wall. Oh, I like it. The prison's <laughs> not designed for lightsabers. And so it looks, it's like an older prison from an, like an older civilization or something like that. And, and so it's this very classic jailbreak scenario, mm-hmm. but, you know, using a lightsaber and, and using new age technology. So it has that classic cool hand Luke feel, but at the same time set in the Star Wars galaxy. And then an alarm sounds and then it gets crazy. And so Han jumps onto Luke and then they realize they're like, holy, holy crap, we didn't think about how heavy Chewie was going to be. And then all of a sudden we, we just see him scale the wall. <laughs> Like, just, like, crazy, like Spider-Man. And we're like, oh, that's new. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. Very Beast-like, if you will. Yeah, kind of like Beast from X-Men. Yeah, we uh, we see him do something like that. And, and like, and so the audience, as well as Luke and Han, just kind of stare at him going like, up the wall. wow. Didn't see that coming. So how are they getting out of the prison? I feel like they need sort of like a getaway car or something that they can use to escape the guards. I want to see them get into a speeder and then ride off through the um, the entryway of the town. You know, like they go through the archway. Uh-huh. But who is waiting for them standing there with a lightsaber but Darth Vader? Already? Okay. Yeah, I think so. I, I, I think we need to establish that they're on their way to the Jedi Temple, but yet they don't know that somebody else is tracking them. I feel like this is the time. Okay. All right. So face to face. Or is this just Vader noticing, okay, here we are. Like, hmm. and is Vader going to chase him a little bit? And then they realize, oh, uh, yeah, you know who that is? We got to get going. I kind of want to see this this scene where, like, as they're flying through the entryway, as they're leaving the city gates, that maybe they don't see Vader, but all of a sudden he does a really quick-timed swift attack with his lightsaber and hits their engine, and they go flipping over as he slices their engine in two. Ooh. Then fall into the dirt. And then they're like, oh, crap. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I don't want to see Luke and Vader go at it just yet. Like, I want want Luke to say, holy crap, how does he know where we are? And then Leia, maybe this might be a jump for the audience, but maybe Leia says, maybe he's looking for the same thing that we are. No, I don't think we need to make that jump. I think it needs to become a little more... I don't know. They need to figure it out rather than make okay. the leap. So okay. I think when we are going through, say, the black market a little bit, guess who's going to be there doing the same things? Okay, so you'd rather have Vader meet them at the black mark, like some sort of black market deal than here. Okay. Yeah, they find out that way. and They're like, oh, okay, this is not going to be well here. Okay, so what if we do the same thing there? Like, that way I can keep my action scene mm-hmm. where they ride out of the city gates but into a sh- the ship that Luke and Leia have. And then Han's like, okay, I think I know a place where we can go. It's a black market and everything like that. And so then they go. They go to this this planet. And once they get there, <laughs> Luke's like, it's a literal market. Like, it's a literal black market. <laughs> Are you insane? <laughs> He's like, what did you expect? <laughs> right. Yeah, that's that's how these things happen, right? And just the open air here, it looks like casual business. Okay, so the forum over there, it's Han, Chewie, Luke, and Leia. And so they're in this marketplace. <laughs> and maybe it's a regular marketplace, but Han knows where to go. Like, it's it's not all a black market, but, like, it's a marketplace, but he knows where to go yeah, in the marketplace. Yeah, so you, you got to stop by the fruit stand, examine, you know, a couple of apples or some sort of fruity looking object maybe pick up a couple throw Mm -hmm. the merchant a couple of coins 
make it look like you're there on more official business. And Han is showing them the ropes like, hey, don't be weird about it. Yeah. Follow my lead here. Like maybe he picks up fruit and obviously they'll use like alien names. But he's like, oh, is this the only type of apple that you have? I was kind of hoping that you had Fuji. And then they go, oh. Ooh, I like it. I like it. And then, well, let me show you to the other supply yeah. I have. Yeah or, no, or, yeah, or something like that where the other guy says, he's like, well, I don't sell any Fuji. But if you go here, you'll be able to find some Fuji apples there or something right, like that. Right, yeah. I don't have them, but I know someone who does. Right, exactly. And that's where, and then they open up the door and it's like, yeah, I'm looking for some Fuji apples. And they're like, right this way. And then they're like, boom, we just see weapons all over the place, data discs. and. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I like it. I like, I like having an action scene in the marketplace because things are going to fly. People are going to freak out. Yeah. It's going to be pure chaos. Much better. Much better idea. I like your yeah. instincts there. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Okay. So, yeah. And, of course, this. okay, we're going to have the confrontation now with Vader and Luke and the gang. Well, okay. Actually, we need a scene in the middle, though. We need a scene in the middle where... I have an idea. What if, at this point of the chase, Vader has found something that's helping along the way... Luke and Leia are one step behind. They go to the person who actually has a little something that helped to help them out, but Vader already got it, and they find that oh. out. And they're like, okay. what do you mean you already sold it? Who did you sell it to? And then off in the distance there is Vader, and they're like, what is he doing here, and why does he have what we want? He's after the same thing. We are the SOB. I like your instincts, but let's punch it up just a little bit more. That's what we do. So maybe they enter into the mark, the secret area of the market. So like maybe it's not a person that lists them in, but when they go to the location, they see scorch marks all over the place. They open up the door and then they walk in and everything is destroyed. People are dead. They have lightsaber wounds. And Luke looks at them and says, this was done by a lightsaber. Somebody has been here and they have to be like, if they have a lightsaber, they have to be looking for the same thing that we are. Okay, I like it. Is that when they actually look, pan the camera over to Vader walking off in the distance, or is that going to come a little later? Well, no, no. I, I think it absolutely can work the way that you're talking about, but I think instead where Luke goes, this was done by a lightsaber. They're looking for the same thing that we are. I can only think of one other person who has a lightsaber. I like it. We need to get the hell out of here. And they get back into their, their speeder. That's when we can combine your action scene with my action yes. scene. Yes. Yes. So as they're hightailing it out of there, that's when Darth just slams his lightsaber down and they flip over in their speeder. Oh, I like it. Yeah, we could even have like a little lightsaber fight, you know, from vehicle to vehicle a little bit. Oh, <laughs> say, oh, say oh. like Vader carjacks somebody. I don't know. And they, yeah, there's a little bit of a high speed, like almost Fast and the Furious meets Star Wars chase scene. And Luke is there with the lightsaber. Vader's there with the lightsaber. And they're just basically just beating the crap out of each other but then Vader has the deathly blow of getting the vehicle let's flip that let's flip it over let's turn that around where we we take your idea because I love the idea of a speeder (laughs) chase with lightsabers I think that is a fantastic idea but let's let us start with Vader standing and them in the speeder and then he throws down the lightsaber flips them over and then Luke is standing there they're they're staring at each other and like we have Han, Chewie, and Leia in the background. Luke is there. He draws his light, like he's about to draw his lightsaber. Mm-hmm. And Darth is there. Luke says he's like, "That was you in the market." He's like, "Obviously, but obviously it's Star Wars, you know." Like, like <laughs> right, which, right, 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 right. 
we don't have Darth Vader going obs. Um, <laughs> I would love that but, actually. <laughs> and obs, obviously, yeah. And uh, <laughs> and so Vader, like Vader says, he's like, "You're not gonna make it to the temple first. And then like, and then Darth pulls out his lightsaber again, and R- Luke grabs his lightsaber and goes, "You know what? I am so not ready for this." And then runs with <laughs> with Han, Chewie, and Leia, and they find a different speeder. And that's when Darth Vader realizes that he needs to get into a speeder too. And that's when we have the chase that you're talking about. Okay, okay. So I'm going to presume that Luke, Leia, and the gang managed to get away. Yes. And uh, continue on their way. But they know that Vader is on their tail. Well, Vader, like, Vader now knows of where Luke is and who he's with. Mm-hmm. But now Vader doesn't have to track him because Vader has what he needed first oh that's true that's true and so so now it's kind of a game of luke and leia han and chewie get away but at the same time they have to track vader because vader is most likely going to head to the temple or try to get there first okay i like this because now maybe they're spying on him a little bit the tables are turned yeah 180 here They've got to track his movements, follow him without getting caught, and then somehow find a way to beat him to the punch. I think if that's the case, if our heroes need to track Vader, I think what they need to do is I think it needs to be, as you and I, Shard Tristan, are writing this, I think we're, as all good writers do, is once they find a problem, they have to go back and add some stuff into some scenes. I think Mm -hmm. what Vader gets is only a piece of the puzzle. Okay. And so Luke, Leia, Han, and Chewie now realize, okay, we need to beat him to marker two. Since he beat us to marker one, we need to beat him to marker two. What might marker two be? Is this just another item? Because that feels repetitive. I think it needs to be a person. It's not an item. It's a person. Maybe the item is at the market, but it needs to be deciphered by an individual. Okay. You need to go to this individual to get them to decipher it. And so while they're at the market, maybe they find out like, okay, they find a manifest. What could have been taken that would have been force sensitive or what's the oldest thing on this manifest? And that's what they Mm -hmm. find it. Maybe they find like a diagram from it or a picture of it. And they're like, oh, holy crap. Okay, I can't read this. And maybe they take it to R2 or C3PO and they say, what is this language? Since they know that C-3PO is fluent in over 6 million forms of communication. That's good, because we need to get them in yeah. this movie anyway. Yeah, they were on the ship waiting waiting for them to come back. That's cool. We need somebody to hold down the fort. Right, right. And so they go back to the ship. They have a picture. They can't really read it, but they can tell what language it is. And that's when C-3PO goes, I can't read it, but I know what it is. Okay. There's only one remote village that still speaks this language or uses this language or something like that. I don't know. Okay, okay. So there's a very direct place that they need to go. I like that. We need to be concise at this point. So they now have the same information that Vader has. But then Han says, we have something that Vader doesn't have, and that's the Millennium Falcon. Because we know that that hunk of junk can go 0.5 past light speed. And so if they hurry, they can get to this village before Vader. Okay, so they've got the that jump mm-hmm. that they need to make. Great. So they go to this place. They find the person or persons, a village, what have you. Then what? We maybe need to, I don't know, map out what Vader's up to at this point. 
is he going to figure this out too or or what? I say we see our heroes and even though they didn't get the artifact, they now know where to go and so they go there as fast as possible. Then we see Vader and he's just like, "Okay, I have this now. But where do I go?" I have an idea. I'm wondering, he doesn't know what to do with this artifact, but he sees Luke and Leia take off in the Millennium Falcon and he wonders, "What do they know that I don't know?" He's following them. Okay. For a while, we had Luke and Leia following him. Now Vader's going to follow them. And he's going to realize maybe that this artifact, the language or what have you, is at this place. So they basically led him to what he needs to know. I like that idea. I like that idea. Our heroes go, okay, well, we're going to go to this village. Vader won't follow us because he thinks he has the upper hand. And Mm -hmm. we're just running with our tail between our legs. And so he won't follow us. But then Vader knows that they think that. Vader Mm -hmm. knows that that the heroes are thinking that he's not going to follow them. So he doesn't, but he sends a bounty hunter instead to follow them. Ooh, the dog. The the (laughs) dog. Dog the bounty hunter. (laughs) I'm kidding. (laughs) Come on, bros. Let's go. We've seen that Jabba sends bounty hunters to do his bidding. So why not Vader? Why not Vader send a bounty hunter? Hmm. To do okay. bidding. So that way he can go back to the Empire to figure out what language this is. And then he sends a bounty hunter to follow them. Okay, that sounds good. And he can go back to the Empire and say, look, I told you so. There's some things going on here. Yeah. And they still don't really care. Yeah, yeah, they still don't really care. They're like, like they're not going to get that far. They're not going to figure this out. Neither are you. Like, yeah, thank you very much for sending us a rock. This is very special. They pet yeah. him on the head. <laughs> I like it. I like it. But he realizes that the rock is force sensitive. He's like, he can feel it. I can sense it. There's something unique to this. And so uh-huh. he uses the massive libraries that the Empire have to figure out where he needs to go. And so as they oh, like. And that's why he figures out that's why Luke and Leia headed out right. that way. That's why they're there. They're going to decipher this thing. And even though I have the artifact, they know something I don't. Right. And Vader gets a call. From the bounty hunter saying they're on this planet, they're on this village. So it just reconfirms what he was already thinking. Mm -hmm. So he's very sure now. He knows what's going on. Vader hightails it over there. But here's the twist is that this time our heroes are the one that set a trap for Vader. Okay, I like it. Help me out here. What kind of trap? What do they do here? Like, How do they get the upper hand? I feel like Chewie needs kind of his moment in the sun. What sort of ingenuity does Chewie have besides just sheer brute force from his size? Because honestly, we don't know much about Chewie after the first movie. He just goes, ah, that's about it. Mm-hmm. We've established that he's agile in this. In this, <laughs> Yes, yes, he can climb. I don't know if that's going to do us any good here, though. Well, okay, so let, let's, let's think of it from this way. They're at a village. It's, it's got to be an old village. It's got to be separate. Ancient. From the Empire. It's got to be ancient knowledge to match this ancient artifact. And so let's say that they go, they go to this village and they're like, okay, we need to talk to a shaman. We need to talk to somebody. And C-3PO can't talk to these people because we've already established C-3PO knows that the language exists, but he doesn't know how to interpret it. So what if, mm-hmm. what if these people, even though they, they don't speak basic they don't speak English, but they speak their own language. But one other language that they speak is what Chewie speaks. 
Oh, that's kind of cool. And I, I have another th small thing maybe we could put in here where this is such an ancient place. This is such an ancient society. They don't even know if it exists anymore. They don't mm -hmm. know what they're going to run into. Right. And it just so turns out there are very few people there. They And they look ancient themselves, maybe. Like, maybe this is a dying race or something. And Chewie is well-versed because maybe Chewie's really old. I li Yeah, I like that. I like that. We have no idea how old Chewie is, so let's make him ancient. Yeah. Okay. So then, yeah, he's got the dialect, and he's the only one who can speak to them. Maybe he's the only one who can speak this language, even, with just the way he talks. We might be getting a little too, and forgive the pun here, we might be getting a little too hairy here, but just... Too hairy? Ha 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 ha. Ah ha ha. But uh, what I'm, like, the, the problem that I'm seeing here is uh, Han can understand Chewie. We've established that. Yes. And so if Han can understand Chewie and these people can understand Chewie, then Han would be able to understand these people. So what if they only agree to speak to Chewie because he is an ancient race? Okay. I could go with that. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Let's do that. That gives Chewie his moment in the sun where they're like, we're only going to talk to one person. And like Luke steps forward and they're like, they go, no, no. Like, <laughs> or like. Or I, I kind of have a scene in my head where maybe Luke starts talking to them, trying to communicate nothing a at all. And uh, so Leia tries nothing. Chewie's like, step aside. Okay, I got this. <laughs> and Han has to kind of step in and say, look, I think he can help us here. Let him do his work. And so we have this completely intelligible conversation happening and all we get from it that we can comprehend is inflection but it works yeah and ha like maybe luke and leia turn to han and go like what is he saying they're like well i'm only getting half of the conversation here you know like right but i know it's good so trust him yeah i like yeah. that and then chewie gets his moment he deserves a moment so that's great so we've established that a bounty hunter is coming or established that the bounty hunter knows that they're there and then vader's on his way we are running out of time again, and we haven't reached Act 3 yet. Oh, my God. So we have another whole act to write, and so uh, guess what? I think Act 3 is going to be Part 3 of what is now becoming a trilogy of Star Wars Number 2. I'm hoping you guys are enjoying this as much as we are because we're <laughs> about to get to the climax of Act 2, but we're not going to get to it today. We'll get to it next week, and then we'll get to the climax of the film itself God, I hope. next week in... <laughs> Star Wars, yeah, Star Wars 2, Act 3. So we love you guys. Thank you so much for sticking with us on this crazy ride that we're going on. Yeah, you know it's improvised when. Yeah, this is very much improvised. We got to have one more episode to complete this movie. And so... We do, we do. And we're going to fill another 40 minutes easily. I know we will. Easy, and I'm really excited. I'm really excited about this Act 3. So everyone, <laughs> please go to thenerdparty.com. There you can check out all of our other shows. We want you to also go to lootcrate.com slash nerdparty. From there, you can to, you can subscribe to a fantastic Geekbox service where you'll get $40 worth of merchandise for less than 20 If you go to lootcrate.com slash nerdparty, enter in code nerdparty at checkout, you'll save even more money off of that. Shar, where could we find you online? You can find me on the Twitter, and my handle is OhTheProfanity. How about you? Mine is at the insane Robin, and the show is at join nerd party. So please give us a follow and also give us a like at facebook.com slash the nerd party. And it is so much fun at all these places, but it's also going to be fun next week because we are going to punch it. Ready for warp, sir. Let's punch it. Yeah.
Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.